Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wrestling Rib. I am Marcus. I am Aaron. And we're going to touch base on the pay-per-view for AEW that just passed, because we haven't had a chance to talk about that. We've been quite busy. So we're going to go through the, like the matches and give our own opinions on things. So we'll start off with that. All right. So, yep. Uh, so, starting out, of course, we got the buy-in, which was dealing with Thunder Rosa and Rio versus Brit Breaker, DMD. Of course, you got to put that into her fucking title, and Reba. But lo and behold, Reba is injured. In quotations. Yes. So. Yep. So they introduced a replacement, and you would have to pronounce her name because I cannot do that. Maki Ito. Maki Ito. Yes. So, oh no, it was not a too bad of a match, in my opinion. Um, we figured that, of course, Rosa or Reba, whatever her fucking name is now, Reba, is was gonna pretty much use her crutches for everything. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. It was uh, it was a lot of funny things because just how Maki is, she's mm-hmm. an entertainer. So that's what she. So I mean, it, there was that, and yeah, you kind of figured that Rio was going to, whenever she saw her come out the crutch, that she was going to use something. Yeah. And well, Rebel, I don't know she, Rebel Reba, whatever you want to call her. Because it always says Rebel, not Reba. But for some reason, Britt Baker continues to call her Reba like an idiot. <laughs> but there's a lot of, like, back and forth and hard hits in that. Um, yeah. It does. I thought for sure Thunder Rosa and Rio were going to win that. But I was actually kind of surprised. But, again, not really. With the yeah. whole crutches thing. Well, you saw that. Well, you, we knew that she was going to do something because she first tried to reach out for Thunder Rosa more than anything first, and then oh, she yeah. finally, then she finally hit. Which I'm thinking that might have been a fuck up. Maybe. But uh, from Bleacher Report, they do grades on each match for each pay per view. Um, they give this one a C plus. I mean, that's I, that's a good grade for this type yeah. of match. Um, to, for the starting out for the pre-show, honestly, um, analysis says there was a lo- uh, there was a lot to like about this one, including, uh, is it Ito? Ito's? Yeah. Okay. Ito. Opportunity. Ito. Okay. Opportunity to start in the states, uh, but the argument can also be made that it went entirely too long. It lost some of its substance the lo- uh, the longer it went before before the finish gave Baker a much needed victory. Rebel or Reba timed the uh, crutch shot perfectly. No, she did not. Um, <laughs> Rosa sold it uh, well, and the Hills uh, earned a big win. Um, oh, also with this match, of course, after the very end, freaking. Um, oh no, that was was that during this match or? 
was it during a different match later in the day? No, it was during the title yeah. match. That's right, title match. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <clears throat> as fun as it was to see uh, Ito in this in the spots, it is interesting to see Jade Gargill watching from uh, ringside just days off when she was one of the most buzzed about performers in the industry. Uh, would would she not have been a better option to fill in as Baker's partner and be highlighted uh, highlighted here? Falling up to her uh, blockbuster victory Wednesday night. Either way, a energetic match that stretched a bit too long to retain its build. Uh, it was a great teaser for the rest of the show. I agree that it was it was a little bit too long, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I would also probably see that um, that Jade would have been her op- opponent, but uh, or her partner. But it's good that. Uh, Ito's got her shot now in AEW now. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, in a way, yeah, Cargill would have been alright, but there's been so much buzz about her since the whole women's title tournament that they had to at least bring her in and see how people took to her. Yeah. So, I mean, why not do it on a opener for a show like that? Where it's not in the actual card, but it's something at the beginning. Yep. And it did go a little longer than probably needed to, but at the same time, it was entertaining enough to keep keep me interested. I kept, I mean, I had, I laughed a lot. I think I, I do like the fact that you don't see very many female wrestlers use like a diving headbutt or a falling headbutt no. like Ito does and things like that, so... I do like that aspect. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that there. Alright, so... The show itself, finally, when it started, opened with the Tag Team Championship match with the Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF. Again, myself, I said this before, whenever they won their chance to face the Young Bucks, I felt that other people in the inner circle deserved this shot more than Jericho and MJF did anyways. Like, the actual tag team that they had, which is uh, Pride and Powerful, I felt they were more deserving of a shot for the tag titles than uh, Jericho was. I mean, they did technically beat the Young Bucks whenever they first arrived in AEW. Yeah. But, I mean, the match to me, it was, it was good, but I feel it lacked a lot, and nothing against, but Jericho and MJF just did not work well at all in that match. And MJF, I don't know if he purposely did it. I don't know because of the turn of events that happened this past Wednesday. But I just feel he um, really didn't put his heart into it, and you could tell he, he just wasn't trying to me. Yeah, I could see that too. And, but all in all, I mean, it it was a good match. Other than that, I agree. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I mean, I thought well, we both said this when we were watching at the same time. We were trying to call what it was going to be the end anyway. We thought Sammy Guevara was going to come out. Lo and behold, he didn't come out until Wednesday night. Yeah, but. That was a good thing that they did that. Um, but, um, I mean, the ending all together was pretty good. 
Um, like 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 you said, MJF, he didn't seem like he was really into it at the match. He didn't really care about team with Jericho at, at, in any little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's what he was trying to play off because of what was hap- was going to happen on Wednesday. We don't know. We don't know. Or he didn't give a shit about what was going to happen. Yeah. But, um, but I definitely agree with you on there. All right. So on Bleach Report, this is what they wrote about the match. Driven by the revenge after Chris Jericho and MJF attacked their father, AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks took the fight to their challengers early and often in the opening contest of the Re- Revolution pay-per-view. A heads-up play by, by Jericho, bringing Nick Jackson back and headfirst into the ring ape and turned the tide in the inner circle's favor. Wardlow made his presence felt on a couple occasions, allowing Jericho and MJF to retain control of the bout. This time, as they beat down Matt Jackson, the Hills delivered... I guess I can, if I can speak, it help out. Delivered a double standing vertical suplex, continuing their concentrated assault of Matt while his wife, Dana, I think it's how you pronounce her wife's name, watched from the ringside. A hot tag to Nick sparked the babyface comeback, which included a destroyer power driver to MJF for two. And then the Bucks channeled the impact wrestling Motor City Machine Guns with a modified made in made in Detroit in full or in a near fall. The Hills answered in the form of a lion tamer by Jericho on Nick. Matt tagged in unbeknownst to Jericho, but Lay Champion simply transitioned into the same hold on the fresh man. MJF scored a series of near falls on Matt who kicked out everything thrown at him, including a baseball bat shot to the back by Jericho. MJF's power driver failed to put him down, much to the dismay of the loudmouth Hill and Matt Tagnick back into the match. Stereo cross body blocks wiped the challengers out, but Nick could not put Jericho down for a three count. Wardlow attempted to interfere, but ate an arrogant Judas effect by Le Champion. The Bucks delivered a BT trigger. For the near fall on Jericho, but MJF broke it up. The Bucks uncorked a series of super kicks to the challengers to finish off Jericho with the Melter driver for a successful title defense. And it gave it a B plus match. I maybe not a B plus for me, maybe a B I think a B plus is kinda of pushing that match for me, but that's just my I would opinion. Just, yeah, I would just I would just give it a B, honestly, not a B plus. And I don't understand okay, so at least Beat at least Bleacher Report says it's a lot. It's well, it's not a lion tamer. I'm sorry, it's not a fucking lion tamer. It's the walls of Jericho. Yeah, well, the way I think he did it in the pay per view is more of a lion tamer than yeah the walls but of Jericho. Half the time he does the walls, and I'm guaranteeing as part of cooperating with by WWE, they can say the walls of Jericho. Yeah, but it's not. It's not a lion tamer. Lion tamer is kind of like it, but he puts his fucking knee in the back of the back. Yeah. He's more standing on his base with his knee in the middle of their back and bending him in half. Yeah. Other than uh, what is that? A double a double crab? Is it a yeah. double crab? Yeah. The Boston crab. Yeah, Boston crab. Says analysis: Jericho and MJF threw everything they had at the Bucks 
including a baseball bat and repeated interference from Wardlow, but the champions' thirst for vengeance proved to be too much for the challengers. This was an action-packed match with solid storytelling throughout and a picture-perfect finish. The Bucks just obliterated MJF with super kicks until he had slobber pouring from his mouth in a great spot and springboard spiked tombstone pile driver to put away Jericho was appropriately vicious. The right tag team went over, or yeah, the right team went over as the Bucks can move in onto the winner of the Casino Tag Team Battle Royale while Jericho and MJF have a potential nuisance na- named Sammy Guevara to deal with yet. There may have been other matches that would have been better suited for the opening spot, but this was a perfect example of energetic, fast-paced action that you can expect from the show. And yeah, it was. It was. But, like I said, at the same time, it lacked in certain things, especially on MJF's part. Yeah. But, I mean... We try to predict the, uh, the predict the ending, which we we, we thought it was going to be Sammy, but who knew? Yeah. Um, but I mean, B plus, I would say more of a B than anything else. Yep. All right. So now came up to the tag team Casino Royale, which to me I think this should have been the first match starting with the pay per view. It would have been I would think would have been better. Yeah. But, since this was a big, big match. Um, I mean, the rules of this match is just, I would just say it would be more of a, a Royal Rumble match with tag team, pretty much. Yep. Honestly, that's that's really what it is. But the good thing is that both people have to be ejected for their team. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Other than just one person gets eliminated and then the whole team's eliminated. No, it's better that it has to be both. Yeah. And I think WWE does that. They did it once. I know they did it before. Mm. Which is stupid. Yep. But, um, so, I mean, lo and behold, this match in a lonesome, it was a good match. Yeah. Honestly, it was. Like, there were so many big names, that big tag team names. If you want to talk about tag team, you're thinking of AEW. Their yeah. division, their division of tag team is unstoppable. Other than just having what six tag teams or up one big faction like WWE, no, yeah. they have like twenty or more. Yeah, they they are actually they are very tag team focused and oriented, and you see that a lot because they actually have quite a few tag matches. They have not only on Dynamite, Dark has a lot of tag the trip trios things like that yeah so they do they are like one of the top for tag matches like that now the only th- one thing i could say about it is they have more factions than anybody else honestly i'm seeing like they have the dark order they have the inner circle now mjf's people whoever they're, whatever they're going to be named um let's see here they got the uh Rhodes family or Nightmare Family, excuse me, um, which that consists of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I think Nightmare that's Family grows every freaking week with a new person from the Nightmare Factory. 
right? I mean, but... I wouldn't say they are. The, they've got the most factions because New Japan basically all their wrestlers are broke up into different factions. They may wrestle each other, but they're all in a different faction. And well, stateside, stateside. Yeah, oh. I was gonna say stateside. Yeah, they have the most. But, yeah, because I saw somebody was complaining about how many factions are in AEW, and I'm like, do you not realize that New Japan, everybody in New Japan is basically in some sort of faction? Like, they don't have just single, like, they're all in, whether it's uh, Bullet Club, um, Suzuki Gun, um, what's, I can't remember what the other... There's a couple other ones I can't remember, but there everybody is in one of those factions, but yet they they still face each other. Yep. So here's the details of the whole entire match. So let's see here. So the Dark Order's five, fucking five. Um, <laughs> five. <laughs> press ten Vance. I love how they put his name like that. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll just call him ten. So that's how he does his name on Twitch, though, the press ten. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, he kicked off the match with Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall of the National Nightmares, which I don't know what the fuck is with QT Marshall's what's what's up his ass, but he's a little asshole. Yeah, he is. Uh, Santana Ortiz joined the fray next, eliminating Angels fucking five, <laughs> and, which I love in BTE. They made fun of him being eliminated first. I thought that was the funniest shit in the whole entire world. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Matt, uh, Matt and Mike Sandell were next, followed by Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Um, Matt Sandell joined Angel on the floor. The next man eliminated as Dark Order dominated the match. Uh, the action in the ring. Santana rocked its opposition through regaining some momentum through the inner circle's entrance. Um, the gun... Guns Club Austin and Clinton uh, entered next and wasted time, little time, uh, taking a page out of their father Billy's playbook and picture perfect drop kicks. Which I during that whole entire that whole entire pay per view, you did not see Billy at all, like at all. Like he was not sitting in the group with everybody. He must have been back doing something. Yeah. Well, he is like a trainer or something also for AEW, so. Uh, Santana was eliminated Matt Sandell with a pump uh, pump kick, knocking him off to the floor. Sandell brothers were eliminated. Uh, Pretty uh, pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi, I love his last name, Bononi, (laughs) um, entered the match next, uh, teeing off with the gun club, the varsity blondes, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Grayson. Hit the ring like a ball of energy. Targan Bononi. Um, Austin Gunn dropped Avalon with a Famouser and sent him packing, which I love how his kids are doing the Famouser now, too. Yeah. Um, I, I do like uh, Austin's, uh, what is he called, the quick draw or whatever. He does, he does that like, it's like a hip toss into a neck breaker thing. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, over the top rope and on the floor, the Gun Club, uh, gun club continued their role, attempting to dump Benoni. That's the way I'm pronouncing his name. I don't care. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. I think the only reason why I think it's hilarious is because of my YouTubers that I watch. And um, they were talking about something with Benoni. 
Like, yeah. I, I thought when I hear that, that's what I, that's what I just picture in my head. Yeah. So they're um, Benoni or, yeah. or whatever. I already pronounce it. Close enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, Marshall limited the gun club before jumping over the top rope himself and walking out on his partner Rhodes, essentially ending the national nightmares. The gun club was eliminated. Bear Country, uh, Bear Balder, and Bear Brunson entered next, showing their power and tenacity. Uh, ten- was it tenacity? Or- yeah, tenacity. Right yeah, tenacity on the opposition, including Grayson, who they sent out to the floor. Just Express, Jungle Book, and Jungle Book. Wow, Jungle Boy <laughs> and Luchasaurus entered a huge into a huge uh, entered a huge pop. Jungle Boy sent Ortiz to the floor, followed by Santana. And then Luchasaurus finally bumped Bunini. Uh, Santana and Ortiz and Avalon and Bunini was eliminated. Um, Jack Evans uh, perpetuated the elimination of Vance despite him not being involved in the match. While Marco's stunt helped eliminate even Ono, both Dark Order teams weren't eliminated. Butcher and the Blade and Private Party entered next. The former dispatching of the Rhodes followed by SU David, uh, Christopher Daniels and Frank Azarian, National Nightmares Eliminated. As Luchasaurus was sent out, then Poe Packing, Bear Country Eliminated, the Mask Wearing Big Man, Butcher and the Blade, Dump, Bear, uh, Bear Country, wow, Bear Country, Bear Country was eliminated. Def Triangle, Pack, and Ray Phoenix um, entered the ring and immediately sent Mark Queen and uh, the Blade to the floor. John Silvers and Alexa- uh, Alex Ronalds, Reynolds entered the uh, thunderous ovation and eliminated I, I, Cassidy. I'm just going to call him Cassidy because I yeah. can't say his first name all the time. Barbara Party was eliminated. Daniels and Kazarian eliminated uh, Butcher. Butcher and the Blade was eliminated. Now Phoenix sent Daniels to the floor while Jungle Boy uh, said it again. Jungle <laughs> Boy and uh, Reynolds battled on the ring apron. Uh, Reynolds got the lesser of the battle and landed on the floor. Pack delivered a back suplex to Kazarian, sending him to the floor as she. SCU was eliminated. Now, at this time, I mean, there was not that many people left. Of yeah. course, there was uh, the Death Triangle, Jungle Boy, and Silver. So, at this time, I was hoping that Silver was going to win because I yeah. love the Dark Order. But, so, uh, Silver and Pack teed off on one another during strikes to former. Uh, the former getting the best of the opponent, a hard kicks to the chest. Pack used the Silver's momentum against him through delivering a snap suplex. German suplex. Silver shaved off elimination from Pack, but Phoenix ended a kick that sent him packing. Silver's and Reynolds were eliminated. Almost pre- uh, poet, poet, whatever. Poetical. Uh, yep. Why do they use big words? <laughs> <laughs> Jungle Boy proceeded to use Pack's momentum against him, sending him to the floor. Jungle Boy delivered a poison rana, and Phoenix entered with a round kick. A clothesline fo- uh, followed, and a death triangle win entered the win. Uh, the Express eliminated. Now they, they, the w- they left out the, the the coolest part of that whole fucking match. In that last explanation. Where Ray Phoenix dived through the fucking middle rope with oh, a yeah. centon atomico. <laughs> yeah, he was like halfway in the fucking stands with everybody else. Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ. But the know. precision to do it through the middle rope like that is ridiculous. 
without getting caught up on the actual like top rope. Right. That's why I voted from Hotwire. Yeah. Um. So now for this grade, I would give it a C. They said they gave it a C plus. I don't see it as a C plus. I see it as more of a B. Yeah, same B. here. Um, there was a lot of action going on in that whole entire match. A lot of so, yeah. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, just hard hits. Um, high like even high flying. Surprisingly, you don't really see that a lot in. No, in Royals or anything yeah. like that. But I like how AW doesn't doesn't just do all the action in the ring. Like they do, they actually go through the middle ropes and doing stuff outside the ring, then going back in. Like yeah. I mean, other than their competitors, they just stay in the ring, and then if they're if they go through the other ring, they sit out there until the very end. And I do like uh, whenever Marco eliminated uh, Evil Uno with because uh, he got thrown and he like smacked into the post. Uh, I liked after the match, uh, Evil Uno tweeted out, "Ban baby oil." <laughs> He's like, "That shit was slick." <laughs> So, the analysis of this, which we pretty much summed it up, honestly, there was some great action and solid, sto- uh, solid to- uh, storytelling to be uh, had throughout the match, but boy, uh, battle royales are already uh, covalent and messy enough throughout at, uh, without adding more rules and bodies to the mix. There were rapid-file eliminations to clear out the room, featuring teams that never really had a shot of winning. So, why were they involved? What? Like, why yeah. wouldn't they be involved? They, they Just because you can't say, oh, they weren't going to be, you never know what anybody's going to, what they're going to pull out. Yeah, it's 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 like you're saying, like, if it's like a... Like yeah, a what's the point of, what's, yeah, like, what's the point of even having them in the match if you're just going to eliminate them? So, like, like, I, that, that, that comment is, like... Yeah. Yeah, like so bad. If that's like, if you're gonna say that, then that's like saying, "What's the point of having the Royal Rumble if you know that nobody, if you're, if you already know all this person's basically gonna win? What's the point of all these other people being a part of it?" (laughs) That's so stupid. Or like with uh, Santino, whenever he used to come out, what's the point of him being in it? You know, he's going out in two sec in a second. Right. That's (laughs) what I was about to say. Like, it's it's not just that. They're not gonna be. They're not gonna win. We, of course, we can speculate who's gonna win, but everybody has to have their own shot. Yeah. At trying to win something. Now, if it's a funny way of doing it or a terrible way of doing it, I mean, it's just entertainment to the fans, honestly. Yeah. And even if, like, I don't watch Dark that much, so I, I, I didn't know some of them. So some of the teams that were coming out, like the. Uh, what was the bear people? Yeah, bear, bear country. They're bear. they are really freaking good. Like I never seen them wrestle once. So, which I think they have a match on, on dynamite. I think. Yeah. I think. Or or dark tonight or something. One of the two. Yeah. They have a match. I think with jungle, uh, jungle express or Jurassic Express. So, I I, I can't wait to see them in a match. Yeah. But, but honestly, like I don't like that comment that they made. Honestly, no. I don't like it at all. 
Um, among the biggest takeaways was the split of the Natural Nightmares, which likely to see Marshall turn, turn heel and feud with Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Jungle Boy turned in another star for making performance late. Uh, Phoenix Wild uh, and John Cena's and Alex Riles again showed why they should be top tier tag, uh, tag top tier team in the AEW tag team division. Which, Did you say John Silver or not Silver or John Cena? That's, no, I might have did John Sil- Silver. I don't. Silver. I wasn't sure if I caught that right or just make sure. Oh, if you listen back to it, I'll probably said it. I guarantee it. Oh well. I'm, my mind's in all there today. It's fine. Um, I think my sinuses are finally acting up again. Finally. Mm-hmm. Um. But anywho, uh, with all that said, this match was uh, should have been probably to be put back in mothballs or at least reconfigured to make things less messy. For starters, one team's elimination should lead to the departure of the unit. No. 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 I like the way they're doing it. No. I I disagree with that fucking comment. Yep. We t- we talked about this before we read anything in regards to the match. Yep. If it's not just it's a tag team, so if something happens to one opponent, if it's a regular tag team match, opponent gets hurt, they're not going to stop the match. They're going to keep on fucking going. So. What's the point of one team member being eliminated and then the whole team gets eliminated? Yeah, it's like no. you got to think it's a tag team match. So if somebody gets hurt or needs a break or something, that other person's going to be in that match for however long they need to be. Yep. So I disagree. And not only that, in regards, you had mentioned about the WWE doing something like this at one point in time. They did do a battle royale, it was a tag team battle royale thing. But they didn't do it like this. They did it where they had one person from the team was in the battle royale, and then whatever whoever won that is who got the shot, and that's how they did it. And I didn't like that at all. No, the way that 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 AW does tag team battle royales is the correct way. Yeah, but I'm not even reading the rest of that sentence because screw that. <laughs> yeah, they just that's a bunch of crap. All right. Now, we're moving on to the women's AEW Women's World Championship match between Hikaru Shida and Rio Mizun. I, I, I hate her last name. Mizunami, I think is how it's pronounced. That sounds about right to me. It says, motivated by humiliation suffered by Rio Mizunami five years ago, AEW's Women's te- champion Hikaru Shida battled for her, battled her fellow countrywoman. Her title up for grabs for the next or in the night's next match. None of us can read today. I know. I can't read anyway, so it's okay. Me too. So we're perfect at this. <laughs> early, early ear ringing chops set the tone for the match, as did Shida's ferocious, hard hitting offense. The veteran. Ms. Mizunami answered, or yeah, answered. But I don't know why they put a period there on this. This is fucking. Yeah. Whoever t- typed this up, but that was unneeded. You could put a comma there. Sheeta, or yeah, answered with sh- or Sheeta rocked a charging Mizunami with a kick, then folded her up by driving her head first into the entrance ramp. 
A suplex back into the ring followed, or yeah, yeah, back into the ring followed as Sheeta scored a near fall. Sheeta rocked her foe with a forearm, to which Mizunami answered with a barrage of headbutts. A clothesline followed before the challenger executed a devastating modified Death Valley driver for a near fall on her own. She, I don't really consider that what she did as a modified Death Valley driver. It was more like, to me, would have been considered a snap Death Valley driver because she got her up and didn't really like get her situation. She just kind of dumped her. Yeah, she didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. She had a return fire delivering a Tamahashi or Tamashi. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Twisted smiles painted face of both competitors as they dared the other to unload with another strike. Mizunami delivered a Uranagi followed by a spear. The challenger headed up top for a guillotine leg drop, but Shida kicked out at two. Shida rocked Mizunami with a straight jacket suplex. But her own opponent fired up and delivered a lariat to the back of the head. Sheeta recovered and delivered two falcon arrows, but could not score the win. Sheeta couldn't score the win by doing the deed? What's wrong <laughs> with her? I don't know. Everybody knows the falcon arrow is the deed, and once you do it, it's done. Right. <laughs> Sheeta rocked Mizunami with a... Oh, I read that already. Whoops. Yep. The, comp- the competitors continue to score near falls, each coming within inches of earning the victory. She had delivered another Kamaashi to Mizunami, just barely rolled her shoulder off the mat to prevent the defeat. She had added one last shot and finally put her opponent down for the win. After the match, Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero, Britt Baker, and Rebel, they actually put Rebel this time, not Rila, Attack the combatants yep. until Thunder Rosa made the save. We're not even going to mention the fact that uh, Maki Ito was out there too. No. Which caused, you know, the triple threat or the six man tag, sorry, six woman tag to happen. No, we're not going to we're not going to talk about that. No, we're not going to say anything about that. But overall the the match was good. It had good I think it had good pacing. There's uh, both competitors were like fought very hard in that match. That was probably one of the hardest fought victories I think I've seen Sheeta have since becoming champion. Quite honestly, yeah, I definitely agree on that. Honestly, and that's saying something considering the last her last championship match against uh, Nyla Rose was uh, was very very like hard as well. Yeah. Like Sheeta's been doing pretty good, but I I think it's it's time for a title change. Honestly, yeah. like I don't, I, know, I don't know who it would be, but may, maybe they'll do it a double or nothing because that's like within a year that she won the title, right? I think I pretty. I thought she had it longer than a year, but I could be wrong. Um, now if. To me, this is just my own thing. I honestly think they they need to give it to Britt Baker. Yeah, because they whenever they first started AEW, they base they basically put it out there like eight like Britt Baker was the first woman hired on the AEW. She 
They made her out to be like this face, basically the face of the women's division. And since then, haven't done crap with her. And I've seen people who are saying, like, like, I in a way agree with this statement, but in another way, I don't agree. I understand because there somebody was like, they keep they need to stop using the Japanese females because they keep giving them all because they're they said Kenny Omega's favorites, and that's why they're pushing the Japanese females so much. And in a way, yeah, I kind of feel that way. But at the same time, I don't because a lot of fe- like Japanese female wrestlers, they start wrestling at the age of like nine. So they are, for years, just training before they even start wrestling. And then usually they actually start their career at about 16 years old in wrestling over there. So, they, you know, to me, yeah, they are using them a lot, but at the same time, they actually know how to wrestle. They know what they're doing. Exactly. And people now in America, this is just my own thing, and Laura's even said the same thing whenever I, because we watched some stuff from, like, Japan. She was watching with me. They embrace the older like ways of wrestling compared to how it is nowadays in Japan. Like in Japan, they still do the thing where they lift the arm and drop it. They still like, they follow like the older traditional methods of wrestling rules. And that's what they're uh, more used to over there compared to what they do now in the U S which I wish they would go back to the whole lifting the arm and dropping it and stuff. It gave more of a, like on your edge, like, are they going to keep their hand up? Are they not? Kind of feel to everything. Yeah, I miss that. And so they have that kind of knowledge. And then people like, oh, whenever they come over to America, they that's a big change for them. They have to get used to how it is over here now. And people don't realize that, I don't think. And then they're like, oh, they're just, they're just terrible wrestlers. No, they're not terrible wrestlers. They're just trying to learn our way of wrestling compared to how they were trained. Yeah, they're trying to learn American wrestling more than anything else. Yeah. Alright, so did I go over the analytics or analysis of this? I don't think I did. But either way, they gave the grade an A, which I agree with that. That that was a grade A match. I agree. And the analysis for it from them is the first things first. This match does not work as well as it it did without Excalibur calling the hell out of it. He laid out the backstory, added layers to it, and in the end helped elevate it even beyond what the women accomplished in the ring. Okay, I I do agree with some of that. Yeah, he did, like, because he brought up the history between them, which helped give a hell of a lot of backstory and make things a little under more understandable why they were at each other's throat so much. But even without that, this match was still a hell of a match without all knowing any of that. Exactly. Just if you just thought it was a match that, Oh, I won a, I won this tournament and I'm going to give it all my all. And they just beat the other living hell out of each other. Just for that title. It was still a good match. Like, I didn't need to know the backstory, like you said. I, I, I didn't know anything of the backstory between her, both both the competitors, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know anything. Like, 
to me, it was this. Um, she won the match. She got the match. They they fought, and that's it. That's all. I, I didn't need to know any type of background. Yeah, I didn't know anything about the bet between them at all, except for what he was talking about. That's the only thing I knew was what he was talking about between them. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't even really pay attention to that, which, don't get me wrong, Excalibur, he deserved the award he won. He is one hell of an announcer, like a commentator. I agree. He, AEW's commentating team does a hell of a job creating storylines without actually having to have the wrestlers actually do storylines. Mm-hmm. And it, they do a hell of a good job with it, especially Excalibur. He's very good with like knowledge of like just wrestling things that go on and things like from other companies that happen between people. He's very read up on everything. It says, which was to say intense, Shida and Mizunami beat the hell out of each other in an incredibly physical match. The strikes were wicked. The ferocity behind each undeniable. It was stiff, intense, and surprisingly dramatic. It felt very much like two women battling for both the top prize in sports and personal bragging rights. The post-match antics suggest more of the same involving Baker, Rose, and Thunder Rosa is to be expected. Whether any of the other three will eventually dethrone Sheeta remains to be seen, but for now, the champion's historic reign continues. And we already talked about that, that we do feel... But... I don't know. I just don't feel... I feel like they should have brought up because it made no sense to just bring up about them and not bring up Maki because that literally created a big event for uh, Dynamite. Yep. Which was announced at the pay-per-view. Yeah, and you called it too. You were like, well, that's a, that's going to be a triple tag. That's going to be a six-man tag match. Or mm-hmm. woman match. You, you called it. Yeah. I knew it too. But overall, like I said, it was a great A match. There was a it was a very very hot hard fight fought match between both of them. Them them chops, I do not want to even experience the ch- the sound of some of them chops that they were throwing. Oh, no. And that's the one thing I, I that from watching like New Japan and things, they are trained hard on things like chopping forearm shots, things like that. So. The see, and I would never want to have to feel any of that, whether it's a female or male. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I do want to, but at the same time, I don't. Because I just want to, because my own self wants to be like, yeah, I want to see what that feels like. How hard, how much pain would I be in from it? I feel like if I would get chopped by, like, a Japanese wrestler, I feel like my heart would stop. <laughs> like, I, I know how, like, you can tell how hard they hit, like, yeah. If, if you want, if you watch an actual Japanese wrestling match, now when they come to America, of course they gotta like die it down. But unless unless you have somebody that's actually wrestled in Japan, and can actually take the chops, because some of us, some of the American wrestlers cannot. Yeah. Honestly. But, um, next thing we got, which pretty much was a squash match, I would call it. Yeah. Honestly, um, which was Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Or Charles Taylor, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> versus Charles Miro, the Butler. Charles the Butler versus Miro and Kib Sabian. 
I think the only reason why this was a squash match because I think Kip Sabian is hurt. I think he's injured. Oh, he is. Yeah, so that's probably why it was such a squash match and why Miro pretty much overdid the match more than anybody else. Yeah, he's a... Uh... He was on that elevation. He had, they did a tag match, and his shoulders all taped up and stuff. His shoulders messed up, Kips. So, let's see here. So, Miro and Kip Sabian attacked Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy prior to uh, Advara's t- uh, tag team match Sunday. They unsuffled Miro, sending t- uh, Taylor cr- uh, crashing face first into a glass window backstage. Well, it's not really face first. It was pretty much arm first. Yeah. Because that was mainly everything that was cut up. Yeah, his arm and his face. He got fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he got fucked up. Uh, the Gusty Taylor demanded the match to be started and des- uh, decimated or... Dis- yeah, dem- demonstrated. Yep. Demonstrated, it. yep. That's it. That's the word. Uh, greatness has uh, offended both, both the best man and super bad. Until Cassidy made his appearance, felt outside Daly's inside Daly's place. Uh, Cassidy obliterated Miro with an orange punch. I love that move. It's just a Superman punch, but orange punch. I love it. Um, I think he does. They call it a punch, but to me, it looks like he does a forearm shot, not a punch. It, yeah, it's it's def, it's definitely either a forearm or an elbow. It's yeah. not it's not a punch. Because why would he take off his pad? Honestly. Yeah. But. Uh, but quickly found himself on the defense against Sabian. Uh, Taylor re- re-entered the match and joined his partner by working over Superbad until Murrow rocked the K- uh, Kentucky Gentleman with the right hand. Why is it what, Kentucky Gentleman? Yeah, that's what, is that what he goes by? That's, uh, that's what they call... Uh, Chuck Taylor's had that nickname for years. Because he's from uh, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, Cassidy uh, fared well against Miro. Until accidentally swiping out Penelope forward, Miro showed a little concern for his partner's wife. Instead, flattering Cassidy with a roundhouse kick and applying the Oclodida, or what the, what the hell? Accolade. Accolade finisher. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. To Taylor uh, for the submission victory. Is that really how you spell it? Yeah. That's how you spell accolade. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I've, I've never really been sure on how it's. But now, okay, I know this has nothing to do with this match, but since we're on this and I fucking hate, fucking hate Jim Cornette, <laughs> did you see the shit he said about this, though, this match in, like, Miro, Miro, or no. Miro and stuff? Oh, my God. Okay, so I know, basically... I, I huh? already talk shit about Penelope. Oh, yeah. So basically, he told said that Miro, Miro, since coming to AEW, is nothing but a joke. He said he's like a he's ha- looks like he's hanging around with a kid from high school and his slutty ass girlfriend, <laughs> and said that he's uh, keeps talking. Like, he, he said that he had a better run at the end of his WWE career with dealing with the whole thing where his wife was having sex with Bobby Lashley. Than he is in AEW. I don't agree. And I was like, and Miro snapped back. He told he literally comment. He responded and said, "You better watch yourself, or I'll come down. I'll come whoop your ass in your basement." 
He's like, nobody talks about my friend and, and his wife that way. And, uh, but, yeah, I don't agree with any of that. And I said, do people not realize, which you read that thing I, po- I posted, yeah, I, but, or I, I said, it, yeah. but people don't realize for 10 years, Miro was stuck doing whatever he was told to do by management of WWE. No creative freedom, no freedom to do things. So, yeah, he's free now. So he gets to come to a place where he can kind of do what he wants to do. So maybe, so who cares if he wants to relax and have fun for a bit before he takes his career in AEW a little bit serious. He's finally allowed to have fun. Let him have fun. And he does generally look like he's having fun doing what he's doing. Exactly. Okay, anyways, back to the match. <laughs> so, um, so for this match, it, they gave it a C plus. I don't think it's more of a C plus since, like I said, it's a squash match. Yeah, it's more like a C. C, yeah. Um, so the analysis from this is Miro and Sabian's partnership is no longer per AEW if the booking of this one is any indication. What? Because the he... You, he I kind of thought this too. I know what they're getting at. They're thinking that because uh, Mirror put like accidentally knocked Penelope down and then yeah. showed no absolute care that she was knocked down and just continued the match. And Kip kind of was giving him looks like so it was kind of like a thing. Which at the same time he did he did that on uh was it was it last yeah it was on the elevation. They had a tag match at last to, yesterday on Elevation, mm-hmm. and after the match, because he basically let Kip do everything, he did get in for a little bit, but he was to kind of giving Kip pointers, hey, do this, do that, and then he got in, basically did some damage, tagged Kip back in, and let him get to win. Well, whenever um, he Penelope went to get in the ring. He kind of stopped Penelope from getting in the ring and just celebrated with Kip by himself. Hmm. So I do see something maybe coming out of this, but I get what they're saying because the fact that he didn't show any concern whenever he knocked her off, all he cared about was the match, and then Kip kind of gave him that look like, what's wrong with you? Okay. I mean, I could see where I, see, I could see definitely where they're coming from, but Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, di- I did see that as well, but like... I, I, I mean, it could be taken that way. I mean, you can also think that maybe, of course, Miro is just the big monster that he is. Um, he was probably just all in the moment of the match itself. But, I mean, it could be going into a partnership or maybe trying to break up him and Penelope. Who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, there's something that we can look at further for more matches that they have later down the road as tag team or individual matches or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, the best man and uh, used Ford to his advantage. Uh, she was a pawn to be taken out, a distraction he could capitalize on. Uh, that will not sit well with Sabian, who opted to check on his bride rather than concern himself with Miro and the match at hand. Not that it mattered. Uh, Miro dominated here with outstanding, uh, with standing, with standing the best, a the best a battered 
Taylor and Cassidy <laughs> and had off, uh, offered an e-route to win that should have helped him build uh, momentum moving forward. Sabian is a talent competitor and his on-screen pairing with his real wife Ford is, is an act AW should continue to focus on. But that partnership feels, uh, feels beneath Miro at the point as the Bargarian seeks the bigger, better things that enlaud him elsewhere. Which, I mean, I agree with that last thing, but I mean, everybody is trying to get that title. Yeah, well, honestly. he he's now starting to look at that, and I think that's why they're going to break him away. They're going to cause some kind of feud. It's gonna, they're going to have a match, and then Mirror's going to go a separate, separate way. Because he's, like, he had, in that match, he, I can't remember who they were facing, but he, like, grabbed the one dude and threw him into a thing, and he's like, are you a champion material? Do you think you're going to be a champion? Like, he was, like, freaking out, because he's been talking about the champion thing now. So, I think yeah, he, I he's going to start now focusing on wanting a shot at the championship. I could see it. But they're going to have to end that the little thing they have going between them. So they can mm-hmm. go a separate way and not be a tag team. So, this is the one, the next one, which I know yeah. you're going to be reading up on, on this one here. It's a weird one, but um, I guess they just needed a match for both uh, Matt Hardy and Hangman at this time. Honestly. Well, I mean, I get what they're because Matt Hardy being who he, what he is right now, he's the asshole basically. Matt, big money Matt, which is basically Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it was the big money match between Hangman Page and Matt Hardy, and Hangman got one over on Matt. Matt thought he was gonna be slick, get him drunk, and get him to sign the contract. But I didn't even notice at the time whenever he did this. Until after they reshowed it, where he chucks the other contract and pulls one out of his jacket. I didn't notice that at first. I thought he actually signed the one Matt had gave him. I thought so too. So I didn't even notice it the first time he did it. And I was like, yeah. And then he got one over on Matt. So, of course, Matt's going to make one, one is the money and everything. He's big money, Matt. So, I mean, I get where they're going with it. And it was because something that's kind of needed. It's just the stuff that's come out of the whole match itself has been really funny with the Dark Order and that page. Oh my god, yeah. Um, basically, okay, so it's the first quarter, quarter earnings were up for grabs of the Knights. The next match is Big Money Matt Hardy battled Hangman Page. A cerebral Hardy, Hardy targeted the right... Oh, ah, can't speak. The right hand and arm of Page looking to take away the Page's buckshot lariat. He stomped on it, bit, and twisted the fingers of his opponent as he continued his torturous onslaught. Page scored a near fall off of a crucifix roll-up and added a Death Valley driver for another. Hardy nearly earned a count-out victory as Page struggled to recover on the arena floor, but the resilient babyface fought his way back into the squared circle. Hardy continued his onslaught, bringing Page off the top rope with a powerbomb for two. Page finally built some momentum for himself with a picture-perfect moonsault off the top rope, wiping Hardy out on the floor. Private Party made their presence felt as Page began to roll. 
the anxious millennial cow cowboy just deposited them to the floor allowing Dark Order to make the save and wipe out Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn out. The Misfits faction caught Paige, set him back on the apron, and allowed him to deliver the buckshot lariat for the win. After the match, Paige embraced the group in a big hug. So, misfits. what? I like how they call them misfits. Yeah, but um, that match, like the ending of that match, was great. I've, I had a feeling Dark Order was going to come out to help because I knew yeah. Matt was going to have somebody out there to do something because it's Matt, and he's uh, he's using that whole win by any means necessary thing. So now you knew. On, now he's on grapes. Yes, he's now he's Matt grapes. <laughs> Matthew grape. <laughs> oh god you're, you're 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 on this shit now again <laughs> but um oh, love bte yeah but the match was good i mean they worked well together which matt hardy at this point i think he could pretty much work with anyone and make him look pretty good yeah and he's doing the he's doing perfect for the whole like, making fun of, like, Vince McMahon thing. And the fact that they took it one step further with how WWE now long, no longer wants talent to slap their thighs. Which, that's it, stupid. Yeah, for when they're doing, like, super kicks and stuff. Made it even better whenever they made fun of it on BTE. Um, and <laughs> the fact that it was long. Matt that was there to stop it made it even... That's when I was like, yep. I knew damn well they were basically making him make fun of Vince McMahon in this, or he was making he's doing that to make fun of Vince McMahon. Um, they gave the grade the match a B, which yeah, I'd say it was probably about a B. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of near falls, close calls. I mean, I. Honestly, thought that that page was going to get counted out, and that well, I was surprised he got back in. Right. But yeah, the Dark Order catching Page and just lifting him up, putting him back up. I was like, "Well, should have seen that one coming." Right. And I like the fact that during Dark Order has gone this new way where they're not really worried about recruiting; they now just want friends. <laughs> Right. Or, I I don't know what it is with Dark Order doing. Like I know there are a bunch of guys, but all they talk about is dicks. <laughs> it's usually that's John Silver that starts it. That's the bad part. Yeah. <laughs> like in that episode, uh, there's there's a recent episode of BTE asking like about these extra charges. Yeah. <laughs> Ten. What is what is this charge that's for drugs? Nothing but drugs. Oh, that's mine. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Ten's always though. Like he's first. It's funny because he always talks about because like they did that with the sleeper thing, and he was like, they're like, and they're like, I'll bring because uh, what who was it? Um, Cole Cabana's like, I'll bring Pepsi and Coke, and <laughs> Preston was or Tim was like, I got the Coke. I got the Coke. And they're like, the I thought you were bringing Coke. He's like, I. I, I had it all. <laughs> and they you think they're talking about the soda, and they're not. We know what he's talking about. Yeah. 
And then what what else did they buy? Oh yeah, like a shit ton of like boner pills. Yeah. <laughs> boner pills for everybody. I don't know what it is. Like them listening to them talk about it makes me laugh. But the whole thing with uh like the freaking good brothers talking about it kind of made weirds me out. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it's just how they talk about it all the time. I don't know. Like, like they were, they were, they were talking about helping out Brandon Cutler. Oh trying yeah, to, uh, trying to relieve him. Yeah, like, I was like, that, oh, okay. that, that's, that's 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 a little bit too far. Just that's a little bit, but I mean, they don't give a shit. <laughs> yep. All right, so we'll go over the analysis here for this match. It says this was an excellent work match. Hardy showed. That veteran in-ring intelligence, recognizing his opponent's strengths and taking it away to the best of his ability. He spent the entirety of the match targeting that right arm and hand, then had private party perfectly positioned for the run-in if necessary. What, what old big money did not account for was the genuine friendship between Paige and Dark Order. That friendship, not based on money or what one side could do, for the other proved impenetrable and helped Hangman earn the win. It was a great example of storytelling elevating what was perfectly acceptable professional wrestling. And it was. It was. I agree with all that. I, I definitely agree with that too. Basically it was basically it was a match to show that friendship's more worth more than money, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Now, this match coming up that we're going to talk about is the ladder match. The future, uh, the face of the revolution, pretty much, match. This match in general, it was an alright match, but I know that Cody's hurt. I know that for a fact. Oh, yeah. The way that he was out the ring most of the time for every little thing. So, you could tell that he was definitely hurt. That's why he was not mostly in the match. Yeah. But you could tell that he was going to come back in because you saw everybody in the background just looking, seeing what yeah. the match they were on. I mean, he stood back there. It's not like he left or anything like that. He stood there forever. Yeah. Like, you, you need to, like, get out of the view where people can't see you. Yeah. If you're going to do something like that. Yep. So, let's see here. All Ego, um, all ego went all elite. As former Impact Wrestling World Ch- Tag Team Champion join Cody Rhodes, Max Caster, Scorpio Sky, and Penta L Zero Num- M. It? M. Yeah, just okay. Just M. Yeah, Pen- Yeah, Zero M. I don't know why. Yeah, he, he changes his name so much. Right. And Lance Archer in the face of the Revolution ladder match for the shot of the TNT Championship or. In other words, television championship. Um, this year, Caster used his boombox to his advantage uh, on one or more occasion while uh, Paige sandwiched Archer uh, in a ladder. Penta delivered a backstabber to Paige, uh, bringing him off the ladder and onto the map below. Rhodes, nursing a shoulder injury, delivered a missile dropkick to Penta. Penta answered with a destroyer uh, Pelo driver over the top rope onto the ladder uh, propped against 
against terrible. the Gardwell and the rain. That was terrible. Yes. That that was like not like terrible and like it was a terrible move. Like terrible. Like the they, terrible. Like, like it looked like it fucking feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. Here's body wrecked with pain. Rhodes found himself taken uh, to the back for medical attention. In the ring, Sky brought Caster off the ladder, preventing him from grabbing the brass ring. Archer joined both Sky and Caster on the ladders before Paige joined in the festivities. All four men battled at top of the ladders until the Murderhawk Madman uh, was knocked to the mat, followed by Paige and Caster. Penta uh, stopped Sky from retrieving the ring, and Caster brought Paige off the ladder with a powerbomb. Which, yeah, that was insane. Yeah. Uh, later, Archer rocked Sky with jumping knee strike to the face that went the former ta- world tag team champion off the top rope through a ladder at ringside. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Penta laid out Page and Caster in the corner and then flattened Archer with a cross body. Uh, a one-armed Rhodes made his way back to the ring, whimping uh, his opponents or whipping, whipping his opponents with his weather belt and a blurring page across with uh, a blurring page with a crossroads. He scaled a ladder, but Archer met him at the top and delivered a massive suplex. Superplex. Well, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Caster followed with a claim to fame elbow drop uh, to the back of the American Nightmare, which, yeah, that would be fucking painful. Yeah, especially because he came down right on that shoulder. Yeah. Archer unload, uh, unloaded on his opponents, choke slamming everyone in sight and delivering a blackout to Caster onto a ladder. Yeah, that mm, that move in general, like that that's that move is insane. Yeah. Like if you don't if you don't do the right way, like not land the right way or protect yourself the right way, you're fucked. Yep. Um, Paige stopped Archer from climbing, delivering a low blow and uh, flattering him. With a impressive razor's edge, uh, Jake Roberts down. <laughs> yep. Oh my God, Jake Roberts did not need to be in the fucking match. No, he needed to stay out. He, he, did you see that he doesn't want to leave AEW for any fucking apparent reason? <laughs> he said he'll work for free. <laughs> He's having he fun. Leave him alone. <laughs> and he said, he said, he's like, I never want to leave AEW. I'll work for free. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, El Ego was uh, with a choke slam, but ate a super kick from Penta. Rhodes delivered a uh, road cutter, or Cody Cody cutter, excuse me, road cutter. Wow, but Penta recovered the American Nightmare's arm with a chair. Uh, Sky blasts the Lucha Bros with the same chair. Sky slammed Cody's arm into the ladder and retrieved the brass ring for the win, which. I'm glad that, like, Sky, he hasn't been wrestling, unless he's wrestling on Dark, of course, like I said. No, he was actually injured for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, he uh, messed up his, I don't know if it was his elbow or something like that. But, yeah, he's been, he was out for about a month and a half to two months. Yeah, because I haven't seen him in a good while. It was after that thing that happened between him and uh freaking uh Sean Spears after they had their little uh, battle cuz that's when yeah. Sean kind of disappeared too. Yeah, Sean didn't really give a shit honestly. I'm glad he's back though. Yeah. But even yeah, people are 
even though people are looking at him like a Pidgeotto. <laughs> Actually, I've seen a lot of people comparing him to Butters from South Park. <laughs> um. So, I mean, I'm glad that Sky is finally getting the recognition that he deserves yeah. as a individual competitor. Um. To me, when the match happened on Wednesday for the TNT, I mean, he. I think he should have won. Yeah. Honestly. Um, that, I like Darby and all, but he really hasn't done much with the title. They need to no. give it to somebody who's going to do like Cody was doing with the basically defending it maybe every week or something. And Sky would do something like that. They're more wor- yeah. they're more focused on Darby Allen doing other things with and right now, like other storylines. And they need to give it and not really focus on him using the TNT title. The TNT title hasn't really been in my opinion, hasn't been valid really since the passing of Brody. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. And, but yeah, so they just need to either start making him defend the title and actually using it or give it to somebody who they can use to defend the title. And, in my opinion, Sky or Lance Archer are the two that I would say need Especially considering it sounds like he was Lance Archer was promised a the title and then they kind of screwed him over. I don't know if that's just for a storyline or if that's true, but that's what it sounds like, anyways. But for the grade that they gave was a B plus. I I kind of agree. Yeah. With that type of grade, um, honestly. Cody, he, like, I know he doesn't, he can't go for the AEW championship anymore, but they need to do, if they want, if, if they want to do something like that, honestly, they can say that Cody's stepping down from whatever he's doing as a storyline. Yeah. And then giving, giving him a title shot, honestly, because it said, like, I think what he said was as long as he's a VP, yeah, yeah, that he won't be able to go for the title anymore. Which they could, but they could do that, but maybe later down the road. Maybe. But let's see here. Um, so the analyst for this was the tease of Cody overcoming the odds like John Cena shaking off injury and winning this match were great. Um they added a level of drama that could have could not have been accomplished with any other wrestler on the roster. Why? Because Cody has become the golden boy of AEW. The star, everybody has really uh, assuming assume, what, assume, what? assumes. Yeah, assumes, assumes is going to win, even if the history doesn't necessarily reflect that settlement. Yeah, he is the golden boy of AEW. I can definitely agree on that. Uh, I think, I don't, he is, but I think more people assume that because he was such an egotistical person at the beginning of AEW that. He was he could do no wrong and blah blah blah. Who was it? I'm sorry. Cody. Like his ego was so high that you didn't he never lost because you looked at him. You yeah. You look at his his ego is not going to allow him win lose. No. Yeah. Which Cody showed that he doesn't care what if he wins or loses. Honestly. 
Cody has Cody has shown that. Yeah. Um. So, it, it is it that mindset that allows his match to be even more heated than they uh, may have been otherwise been. They are so dramatic and emotional, and everyone that works with him benefits. Scott's win was indefinitely harder because he overcame Cody and achieved it. Now, it will be interesting to see the former SCU member can build his own momentum as he is going, uh, coming out of the match. If only else, Allen is one of the top stars in AEW right now and shows no sign of slowing down, which I definitely agree. Yeah. Uh, Allen Darby, he's, he's one of those young talents like MJF who's going to be with AEW from, for years to come. Yeah. And what they're doing with this whole basically almost mentorship with Sting is perfect for Darby Allen. And that's why I said if they're not going to use him though for the title, then give it to somebody who's going to do defend the title. Exactly. Because you have Darby, Darby right now kind of split out too thin. Because you got him working with Sting, and then you had this whole him feuding with Tassing, which I'm hoping that's over, but probably not. That's not going to be. And you have him as the champion, but he's not doing anything with the title. Uh, that match against Sky Wednesday was probably the first time since he won it off of Cody that I can think maybe the second time that he's defended it. That I can think of off the right top of my head. He defended it against Cage. He defended it against... I'm gonna have to look this up. He, I think he had at least maybe three or four defense. I don't see. It's not. I don't even remember. That's how, let like the least amount he's done it. So that's just. So he had this in full gear against Cody. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Number of rains is only one. Number of days. Let's see here. Combined wins. Doesn't say who. Who faced who? Yeah. History. Let's see. What's the history? Yeah, it doesn't provide who. Hold on, let's see what this is. Star card match. AW competitor Tony Schiavone plus the Bulgari ambassador died. I think I think he only had like two or three then. He must have only had two or three, honestly. I can't really remember all the ones, but I know he at least had a couple. 
Sky. Then he had the match against uh, Cage. His first successful defense was against Brian Cage, and that was at New, uh, New Year's Smash Night 2. And January 21st. So they only had two. Yeah. And then, and yep, and then it says, um, it was announced that Allen and Sting would take on Team Taz as a spooky start Brad Cage, a revolution. Revolution, blah, blah, blah. On March 10th, 2021, Allen successfully defeated, or defended the AEW t- championship against Scorpio Sky. So that is the only two times he's defended it since he won it back at Full Gear. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And Full Gear Gear. was when? Like, what was that? November. Yeah, so November 7th till March. So that's how many months where you have two defenses of a title. It's a hundred... I mean, he's 129 days or 29 plus yeah. or something. Out of 129 days, he only had two title defenses where when Cody had the match or Brody had the uh, title. Or they were doing it almost every Brody. week. Exactly. Like, it needs to be like that. Like, I understand that they want to bring uh, Allen, Darby Allen, as like one of the top stars yeah. in AEW, but. This title, I think they just need to get off of him for right now. Yeah. If, if they want to do something with it, maybe try to have him go for the AEW Championship, maybe, or tag team titles with Sting, who knows? Something. Something, but, but yeah, they need they need to give it, the t- TNT title needs to be defended on the Dynamite, at least every week to every other week, to give it any kind of fidel... Validity. Validation? Yeah. Yeah, validation. To make it but, seem like that's the title that's where it's supposed to be is on exactly. TNT. Like, it's it's a TNT title. Yeah. So it needs to be defended on TNT. Yes, on a couple of pay-per-views. Maybe during the pay-per-views, maybe they'll do, like, the title match, like, the yeah. ladder match for it, but it needs to be defended on TNT. Yeah, I mean, it's called the TNT title. And... I want to also point out this. I don't like the way they work. Put this about how Sky's win basically is only valid due to fact the fact that he overcame Cody to achieve it. Everybody in that match was more than deserving, except for fucking Matt yep. Caster. Fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's okay. I can't. He is a good wrestler. He's he's just he weird and. I just don't like him, but I mean, I just feel Preston Vance should have went in, or Ten should have went and not Caster. Yeah, I agree. But I get that they were pushing the storyline between them and the Hardys, or them and Matt Hardy. But still, Ten should have been in that match. But to say that just because he basically overcame Cody is shadowing everybody else in that match, and that to me is no. Archer is just as good. Penta is just as good at Cody, if not better. Paige, I've seen some stuff. He's not good, bad. He's very pre- pretty good. That's what I've seen him, him and doing an impact. And, I mean, to say that oh, basically that overshadowed 
that's basically what you're saying is they're nothing. It's all because of Cody is bullshit. Yep. All right, moving on to the number nine of the matches that they had for Revolution was the Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Sting and Darby Allen in that street fight. Now, Which, before I even read anything about this, I love the way they did this, the cinematic oh, of everything. I mean, you knew it was pre-recorded, but it was just the way it was all done. It was like the cinematic of it was just amazing. The tone, like the way they like toned the like uh, area, the dark, like grayish and things like that. I love the fact of that Darby and Sting like did their face paint half and half like each other's. That was cool. And I, I, I think that this whole entire match, like they're like, you know what, WWE, we can do cinematic matches way better. Yeah. But said even this before this, even this match was the new signee to AEW. Yeah. So yeah, before the match, they announced that Christian Cage had signed with AEW, which well actually came out and signed it and left it in the ring. So I mean, I didn't expect Christian Cage to come out. I didn't know who to expect, honestly. And I was actually very surprised. I know a lot of I've seen a lot of like people basically shooting it down, saying, "Oh, that wasn't that big of a." Yeah, that's more of a sign than you think. Like he uh, he was huge in for WWE, and now you're, he's on AEW, and he yeah he I thought he was in the Hall of Fame already though with the tag team, but I could be wrong. Brad and Christian with as a tag team, but I don't know if they ever made it. No, I didn't. I wasn't no. sure. No, they didn't make it. Uh, he's not. He's not in the Hall of Fame at all. With yeah. But yeah, it says prior to the match, it says announced AEW's latest signee, Christian Cage, Captain Charisma, made his way to the ring and signed his contract and made a nice pop from the fans. I do like the whole outwork everyone thing, like attitude he's going to have. I like it too. I do though think that they better, I don't think that he needs a title match right off the get-go. I mean, yeah, build up to it, but I feel... That you're basically passing over people who deserve it, that's been working their ass off for it, and to me that's too much like a WWE thing, where they hire a big name and then just throw him into a title match. Honestly, he needs he hasn't been in a real wrestling match yet. He was in the um, Rumble, but that was not he a was real in the match. Rumble, but yeah, but it's he hasn't been in a match for a good good while maybe since they since raw was still at the performance center that's the last time he actually did a match yeah i think so that was early that was early last year or late last year actually so it's been many many months since he's actually been in a match yeah so i i think he needs to do either some matches with some upcoming aw stars either on dark well not on dark he's not good he's not going to be on dark that much he might be on Dark once, maybe, but I'm gonna say Moxley or, appears on there occasionally. So I mean, yeah. never say never. Yeah, but um, he's gonna be mostly on 
uh, Dynamite. Yeah. But he needs to have a match already. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going into the match itself. So Team Taz's Brian Cage and Ricky Stark arrived at an undisclosed location for Sunday's street fight in the in a sports car. TNT champion Darby Allen skateboarded behind a pickup truck driven by Sting. All four competitors took to the squared circle inside an abandoned warehouse for their much-anticipated show, showdown and wasted little time taking the fight to each other. Cage overpowered and punished Allen, throwing him through a door while Sting proved he didn't need his trademark baseball bat to neutralize Stark. Cage hoisted Allen in a vertical suplex, walked a flight of stairs, which was freaking insane, right? and dropped him into a trash can. Later, Cage recovered from a table spot to drive Sting into a brick wall. All while Powerhouse Hobbs and Taz's son Hulk double teamed Allen. The duo sent Allen crashing through a pane of windows while Team Taz focused their attack on the icon. Cage blasted Sting with a shovel and had led the legendary competitor in peril before Allen recovered and tossed him the black baseball bat. Sting pummeled the opposition with it, and Allen fell several floors through the air. Whipping the hills or wiping the hills out with a coffin drop. That was ridiculous. That drop. Right. Back in the ring, St- Sting looked for the Stinger splash on Stark, but missed. Stark answered with a spear and a near fall. The former WCW World Champion re- recovered, reversed Stark, and delivered the Scorpion Death Drop for the win. That, like I said, that match was completely insane. Some of the stuff that, like I said, that fall was ridiculous. You just see him like, woof. I was like, oh, there he goes. <laughs> yep. I knew he was going to jump off of there. I had a, like, yeah. could tell that there was going to be something there. Because there was a walkway or something. Yeah. It was just ridiculous because it just broke and it just kept on falling. I was like, you know there's stuff down there to catch him, but still, it's like, that's ridiculous. And I was like, well, whenever it happens, I don't know if it was me or it was uh, Laura. They're like, oh, there he goes. They're like, he's dead. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, the, the match was good. I, I liked it. Yeah. Honestly. And honestly, even though I know it was pre-recorded and things like that, Sting showed no real like ring rust to me at all. It no, like. no ring rust at all. Yeah, like you, you didn't get, you didn't look winded throughout the match. He didn't look anything. Like he looked like Sting of old. Just 63 years old now, and apparently he's still out-wrestling quite a good bit of people. A.K.A. Jericho. <laughs> um, it gave a grade of an A, which, yeah, I agree. Says, for the analysis, the grade for the match of this type is solely relying upon one's feeling on the cinematic on cinematic wrestling. It is a trend in the industry that we was deemed necessary by the ongoing global pandemic. One that has split audiences in this instant. AEW and those involved delivered a creative masterpiece. And yeah, they did. The camera work, the lighting, the spots, and the storytelling throughout the came together for a presentation that struck the right 
struck the right chord and perfectly masked Sting's physical shortcomings at this point in his career. I don't think it really matters. I guess you could say maybe mass. Maybe there was stuff we didn't see. I don't know. But I don't, from what I've seen of it, it didn't look like it, he was really that bad off. No, he wasn't. The advent of the cinematic wrestling has allowed veteran in-ring performers whose bodies otherwise would not be able to withstand the grind of a regular match the opportunity to deliver an acclaimed match, such as was the case for the icon here, whose performance was infinitely better than expected and more importantly was true to his persona. Not not enough can be said about Alan's creativity and willingness to take risks that others simply would not ever dream of, let alone execute his coffin drop late in the match, falling through the air before crashing onto his opponent with a jaw-dropping spectacle while his bumps throughout the really put over the ferocity of Team Taz. Kudos to Cage for the stair-climbing vertical suplex spot that was equal parts visually stunning and, in his case, a major flex. That it was. (laughs) Carrying a freaking person up in a suplex up steps. That's ridiculous. The right team went over here, and as long as they can continue to utilize him in a similar form or fashion, Sting will be a major asset for AEW for the foreseeable future. And, yeah, I mean, if used right, he will be. Exactly. As for the revolution or revelation that Christian has signed with AEW, his value will also be directly tied to his ability to stay healthy. His return at January's Royal Rumble was an emotional moment, but was it was it enough to warrant an even semi-regular return to the squared circle? Time will tell. I mean, he looks freaking amazing from things I've seen. Yeah, he does. So, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine, too. Alright, now we're moving on to our last match. Yes, last, last match. Which is a exploding barbed wire match for the AEW Championship. Which you got the AEW Champion, which is Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. So, um, so the opening moments of the exploding barbed wire match for the AEW Championship between John Moxley and Kenny Omega saw both men avoiding the razor sharp wire surrounding the uh, squared circle. Moxley got the first upper hand in the bout, blasting the champion with the kendo stick across the back. His advantage was short-lived as Omega triggered the first explosion of the match, sending the challenger back first into the barbed wire. Moxley nursed his lower back while Omega immediately targeted. He trapped a bloody uh, bloody, uh, Moxley in a figure four, looking for a submission. Moxley answered by grabbing the wire. (laughs) <laughs> the wired chair and swinging away the opponent's leg which that was fucking hilarious yeah um omega tried to uh for a snap dragon moxley fought out but then the cleaner set him uh the cleaner sent him into the barbed wire board cracking it in half the moonsault allowed for both uh for two mox uh in the moment of desperation sent omega into the wire twice uh detonating two explosive which that sent up to both the edge of the rink where yeah. Omega got hit. That was a 
that was a that was a good sequence right there. Yeah. Obviously. Um, Moxley uh, Moxley sent Omega into another uh, wire board, diving him off into the suplex of his own. He wrapped wire around his arm and tried uh, to clothesline, only to eat a snap dragon. Then another. Omega rocked him with a V-trigger, but Moxley, feeding his own adrenaline, delivered the lariat. The lariat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Omega drove his foe through the, into the ropes, necessarily another explosion, um, before selling the explosive effects on his eye sights. Moments later, the champion and challenger were introduced to the third, uh, one third of the uh, triple hell, as Moxley delivered a paranoid shift off the apron into a large bed of barbed wire, complete uh, with more pyro. Which that's like they should have used all of it, other than just one. Yeah. Like they they should have used all of those little pyro things outside the ring. Yeah. Uh, back in the ring, Moxley uh, used a spool of barbed wire and now bloodied uh, with a blooded uh, Omega. A power driver followed by a commentary team sold the countdown to the ring, exploding at a 30 mark, 30 minute mark. Mm. <laughs> Omega delivered consecutive V triggers and then added the one to an angel. Moxley hit the ropes during the pinfall and nodding an explosion that blinded Omega. The Good Brothers made the save and gave Omega a exploding uh, barbed wire bat that he used on his opponent but could not keep him down. That's a, that's wrong. It wasn't a barbed wire bat. It was a freaking barbed wire uh, broom. Yeah, it was a broom. I don't <laughs> But, I mean, even though it's a one-eagle angel you can't kick out of, well... Yeah, that was a very creative way to get out of it. Yeah, the, the way that he used his body or leg to complete that explosion, it yeah. was amazing. He was like, you know what? I'm not going to kick out. Boom. Yep. Uh, Omega delivered a one angel on a chair and earned the heart-fought uh, heart win. After the match, Omega and the Good Brothers be, uh, beat a handcuff Moxley down. Uh, <laughs> countdown clock aired on the screen, and Andy Kingston hit the ring, bending, uh, feeding off the heels and cover uh, covering up Moxley up. But never, they don't explain what happened <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Well, I mean, it ha- things happen, things botch, and we know that. can't. Yeah. Everything can't happen the way it was. I don't know. I'll let you read that first before I... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read this here. See what they say about it. Well, I mean the grade. Yeah. For the grade, it's a C. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. That, no, that mad... Besides the ending, you just because you could have done without that ending anyways. The match itself yeah. was phenomenal. That match, I would have gave it an A to an A plus. Oh, I would give it an A too. So I don't agree with the C grade in this. No. Just like I don't agree with how you how how they can't keep uh, details correct either. So. Yep. Right. So. Uh, much like the cinematic match that was predicted, all, uh, opinions of the match are related directly to the one's enjoyment of the particular style. That matches are not, have not ever been, and never will be the writer's fe- uh, fort. The best ones convey, uh, convey 
a level of violence befitting the rivalry and the worst and are mainly exercised in an unnecessary gore. <laughs> the feud between Moxley and Omega certainly earned a deathmatch con- conclusion. So, because you're writing this, you're giving the greatest C because you don't like this type of... Type Basically of is what I'm getting out of this. She, and I get that that you may not like it, but that doesn't take away from what the match was. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't take away on how the match represented itself. Who the fuck do they have writing this shit, Jim Cornette? Probably. Uh, the problem is that they already had that match in November 2019 at Full Gear. It's, it was not a match. It was an unsanctioned match. And that so, was nowhere near what this match was. No. Uh, there was nowhere to go from there but bigger, louder, and more ridiculous and absurd. Okay. That's not what we got here. None of the violence match what they were accomplished in the first match. Here, it was all bells and whistles, and it was quite uh, qu- quite literally a smoke and mirrors. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Where they're mostly uh, performance from guys putting their bodies at the risk. Absolutely, and they deserve a ton of respect for doing so. Uh, did anyone watch the match and think for a second that it was absolutely necessary in order to tell Moxley and Moxley and Omega story? Probably not. I think it was. That the cli- I, I, I agree. The climax that the exploding ring was a dud, and that made both wrestlers and commentary the only only made matters worse, and it made more harm than good. Well, yeah, I can agree that the climax... But, that, but the climax out. has nothing to do with the match. Exactly. That was a thing that could have been completely cut out and would have never taken away from the match itself. The match was over at this point. Exactly. Uh, Moxley and Omega had the match that is needed and is already in, every, uh, in anything that fell to live up to the possibility of high bars set the night in Baltimore was going to be a disappointment. There, uh, there will be those that fiercely de- uh, defend the match and try to explain why the layer of tr- uh, masterpiece they're serving of a 9,900 uh, 90 stars, 9,100 if you took, uh, if it was took place in Tokyo Dome. That's fine. It's their opinion and a reflection of their taste in wrestling. What? It doesn't matter. On I'm the pretty sure Jim Cornette wrote this. Um, I have a. I, I, after I'm reading, after I finish this reading. I'm going to see who fucking wrote this. It's a shame that it was not quite as an impact as it should have been uh, because Kingston came out the aid of Joxley, proving his love and friendship of the man that ended his championship dreams is still there. It was a great uh, bit of dramatic storytelling that Tony Khan and co. should have actually exploded Wednesday night on Dynamite. That, above everything, should have been a taken away from the Revo- uh, Revolution main event. What the who wrote this? Is there a way that I could figure out who wrote this? It should have been no. right at the top. Yep, Eric Beeston. March. It has that's he's on Twitter apparently. Because it has a Twitter logo next to it. But yeah, that's who wrote this. That's who worked. Apparently works for Bleacher Report to write this shit. I don't know what. Maybe you don't like those kind of matches, but your what you that person had said to me, I don't agree with. Any of this. The only part that I even kind of agree with is, yeah, uh, he said that they deserve the respect or whatever. That's. I. 
I'm looking at his profile right now on Bleacher Report. <laughs> he looks like a douchebag. <laughs> but yeah, the part where he says apps says where where they got or where their gutsy performances from guys putting their bodies at risk, absolutely, and they deserve respect. Yeah, they do deserve respect for the things that they put themselves through. But you basically just shit all over the goddamn match that they had just because mainly the ending of the match, which had nothing to do with the actual match in itself. So you, wanting to be a douchebag and be that person, decided to shoot down a whole fucking match due to a little ending that fucked up. Botches happen. It's life. Right. But to take that, take away everything that they put, went through in that match is bullshit. <laughs> He's from Pennsylvania. I'm going to go fucking hunt his ass down. <laughs> this guy is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> me and him, me, I'm going to go hunt him down. Me and him are going to have a heart to heart. All right. I understand that you did not like that match, but it's like I understand this is your point of view of the match as well. But like, you can't just take in the fact that everybody is going to agree with you in regards to how this match came about or how this match is going yeah. to happen. To I mean, like they said, exploding barbed wire match. So we already knew exploding. Okay, there's going to be in barbed wire. There's going to be blood everywhere. Yeah. We, we already know that's gonna how it's gonna be. That's why they're doing it on a pay per view for this type of match. Yep. And one you can't compare one match to another. They're two different kinds of matches. Yeah. They both beat the living hell out of each other in each match and each match was good, equally as good to me. Every time the Kenny Omega and John Moxley step in the ring against each other, it's an amazing match. Even though Kenny fucked over uh and you got, or well, let me rephrase that. Moxley got fucked over and lost his tight his championship title during that match. The match leading up to that point was amazing. Exactly. So whether it's a hardcore style match, whether it's a death match, whether it's a regular everyday match, it's still a good match that they put on every single time. They work very well together. And they are both, and that's because they are both deserving of being the best wrestler of the year. Every single time. But. I think every single time that we're going to review a pay-per-view or something like that, we need to go on Blue Report to see what this guy says. Yeah, for real. Alright, so. Um. Yeah, I, I, I th- on that note, before I uh, rage type uh, tweet this dude and tell him to suck a dick, <laughs> I think we need to end uh, our uh, yeah, good thing idea. here. Alright guys, well, I hope you enjoyed our little rant about this guy that from Blue's Report who is a cocksucker. And, <sighs> Go hunt him um, down on Twitter and fucking tell him, you fucking suck. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I hope you guys enjoyed our little rant about the uh, Revolution ma- uh, pay-per-view. We're probably going to do one on, um, what is it called? What is it called? Fast? Fast, Fast lane. lane, I think. Is that how shit it's called? Shit Lane. It's called? Yeah, Shit Lane. I mean, I'm going to probably watch it. Skid, uh, Skidmark Row. I, I'm not, 
Yep, I'm not going to pay attention most likely because I haven't paid attention to AW, not AW, but WWE in a while. So I'll pay attention to it, but doesn't mean I'm going to really care for it because so far everything they've done lately is trash. And yeah, like I said, they put that new tag match for Raw. That's just going to be fucking terrible in my opinion. And I wouldn't be surprised if they give the fucking tag team titles to AJ Styles and Omos. They probably will. Alright. But anyway guys, anyway guys, um, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Have fun. Stay safe. And happy 316 day. Peace out. <laughs>